All right, I believe I'm ready to start. I think I've done everything. Got my boxes checked off. So what I want to do today, we want to start, if you would take your Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. You may want to take a pen and paper out because I'm going to be jumping around a little bit, but I want to start a small series this month about recommitting to Jesus in the new year. Okay, it's going to be in Colossians. If you get to Thessalonians, you're going too far, okay? If you get to Philippians, you're all over it. So it's between the two. And it's only like four chapters, so you'll pass right by it if you flip too fast. But we want to start today with a key word I'm going to reiterate time and time again, and that is something called retain. Okay, we want to talk about retaining. So let's read now Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 to start us off. Yet if yet ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Then Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall also appear with him. In glory. Let's pray. Dear God, as we're here on this new year, Lord, let us take this series of scriptures, Lord, this sermon to our minds and to our hearts that we can recommit and retain things that we've always known. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, just in case anybody's been under a rock lately, 2021 is history. Just in case you didn't know that. We're now in 2022. Most of us here are old enough to remember when it was 1999 and everybody was um, terrified that the computer crisis would happen because of a two-date system. Everybody remember that? We're old enough for most of, most of us are old enough to remember that. But somehow or another, things scrambled and we, we were okay now because it's not 19. What, 22 now? It's 2022. So we, so we fixed all that. But as we stand here at Briar Branch, the beginning of the new year, it's, it's a good time to reflect on last year. And that's what I want to do today before we do communion. It's a good time to reflect on the year's ending, how it went, and look forward to the new year to come. It's also a good time for God's people to take inventory of their walk. Okay? We should take very close look at our relationship with Jesus because as we're hopefully going to learn today, that is the only thing that truly matters in this world, okay? We need to examine ourselves. So the scripture passage today gives us the opportunity to, and a big challenge, to do just that, okay? These verses challenge us to retain some things, and that's what we want to do first is talk about retaining. The three words for the month be retain, be today, release, and remember. Got some R's in them. How about it? So I want to challenge us today to recommit to Jesus in the new year. Okay? I want to show in what we're fixing to go through, and there's a lot of scripture, I want to show you that God has a plan for your life. 
If you are a child of God, God has a plan for your life. If you're not a child of God, you, God still has a plan for your life. You just haven't got started with it yet. He wants things from you, from your life. That's going to be something that's going to be hard to swallow for all of us adults, that God actually wants certain things out of our lives. And what I want to get to as we carry through this scripture, he has the very right to demand us whatever he wants us to do because he is our creator. Okay? So some things we must retain. Now, it looks like most people have a Facebook account. So about last, was last year, but last Thursday or so, there was a, a little meme going around about declutter challenge, 30 days and 30 bags. Did anybody see that? It was like a little meme, little picture that said declutter challenge, 30 bags and 30 days. It was all over my, mine and Leanne's. It was just worried us to death. So we, so we decided to make an illustration out of this. What the direction said in the meme during the next 30 days was to clean out things like your cupboard, your closet, your drawers, something like that. Fill up one bag a day, throw it out, donate it, or sell it. <coughs> it was called decluttering challenge in 30 days. Pretty neat little New Year resolution for getting rid of some stuff. But there's also some things that we must retain when spring cleaning. First couple of verses of, the, of our text is, If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. We should retain that, right? Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affections on things above. So Paul tells us that there's more than a couple of precious spiritual possessions that we're supposed to hang on to. That's why today is retained. We want to retain, number one, the awareness of our foundation. I think America as a whole has forgot where we came from as a nation. And I want us to make sure as a church that we stay aware of our foundation. Very first part of the first verse, if ye then be risen with Christ. Okay? Paul's talking to believers at Colossae in this book. He's not necessarily talking. It's not a, well, if you're saved, you need to do this. It's not. It's, a, it's, it's almost a, a declaration saying of a spiritual reality because, or like since you've been born again. Okay? It's not really the if that, that we would think it be. Even though, literally, if you're not in Christ, you need to get there, so. But with this one, it's, uh, it can be reworded, since then, since ye have risen then with Christ, thus and so. Just as, just as well as the if, because it's more of a spiritual position than it is a question. So Paul's assuming that everyone in his, his readers are, are those who have been had a life-changing experience with Jesus, and he's going to give them some things to retain or to remember. Okay, When Jesus died on Calvary, every person that ever lived, you know, the thing, the thing about what Jesus said from the cross was, it is finished, right? Remember that, that's, that, that's the part of the, the crucifixion. Everybody remembers, it is finished. Now, if Jesus was talking in a single-minded 
instance of it is finished, then really all he said was everybody's debt I have paid for is in the past, right? If he taught in a single instance, it is finished, then that means everybody behind him, not in front of him, not yet to come, not us, but everybody in the back, their sins are forgiven. But we know the scripture doesn't teach that. We're new creatures. We have died with Christ. Therefore, we raised with him. He had it in a universal. Jesus always spoke in universals. Think about the when he talked to the disciples about those who seek the narrow way will find heaven. And those that find the wide way will lead to destruction. Jesus wasn't just talking about, at a, he was talking literally in any, any given time, but also spiritually in all people. In other words, narrow will be the way for everybody that's ever born on the earth that gets to heaven. In other words, everybody don't win. But wide is the way that leads to destruction. There's going to be many, many, many people that don't make it. Okay, so Jesus talks in, in instances like that. So when he said it is finished from the cross, he was being inclusive of everything that ever was going to be. And I don't know about you, but that makes me really happy because he was thinking of me. Remember the old song that was out back in the 60s or so? Uh, when I was on the cross, he was on my mind. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. That sort of gives the evidence of, of the understanding of that even back then. But my first other context, this would be in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, just the one verse. Galatians 2, chapter 20, reads this, Paul talking to the church at Galatia. He said, I am crucified. He's given them a declaration. I am crucified with Christ. Never for, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Okay? And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We want to sort of expound on that, but that's the crux of what we need to be as believers. Okay? Then we're going to jump into the book of Romans. If you ever have a time on your hands when you just don't have anything you want to do, read the book of Romans. Start out with Romans chapter 6. Read, read quite a bit of this. We want to see what uh, Paul said to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? For God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized unto Jesus, were baptized unto his death? That's the symbolism of being brought underwater and back up, the dying and the resur resurrecting. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and that the body of sin might not be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead, 
with Christ, we believe that we are also alive with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion on him, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise re reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed into sin, but alive through God, unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in a spiritual sense, we died to the penalty and the power of sin. Though sin remains on earth. We live in a sin-fallen world. Our sin, when Jesus died on the cross, spiritually speaking, we also died to the power and penalty of sin. Because I am dead, I have not no any I have any no more worry about being punished for sin. Now let that sink in just a moment. This is talking to believers now. This is not unbelievers. Because I am dead to my sin, I do not have to worry about being punished for my sin. That's hard to, to swallow. But it's called grace. Okay. The legalistic people will, will start bowing up and saying, but, 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 but. But that's the beautiful thing of grace. Don't deserve it, didn't earn it, can't, can't throw it away. It's grace. So we know, everybody that knows anything about Romans knows, Romans 6, 23 says what? For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. That in itself damns everybody. But, thank God for the buts, the gift of God, we call that grace, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? The price has been paid, and I have already died to my sin. Alright? Romans 6:14 says this: for sin shall have no more dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. But under grace. Because I have died, the Bible says, with Christ I have also been liberated from the power of sin in my life. Okay? Sin will remain. We live in a fallen world. But the control it has on you is a direct effect of your walk with Him. Colossians 2.20, back in the book of Colossians, one verse. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to the ordinances? Because Paul is talking again back to the church at Colossae, and he's reiterating that once again, that there's a sense in which every child of God is dead and they are dead to sin. Okay? So Colossians, back to our verse again, if ye then be risen with Christ, 
Okay? If ye then be risen with Christ. In this verse, think about it. Paul reminds us that we also have been raised up with Jesus. All those of us who profess Christ have been raised from the dead. Okay? When he died, we died. When he rose from the dead, we rose from the dead as well. We walk in the newness of life. So why is it then, preacher, that all these people that I see walking around that claim to go to church have or, or claim to be Christian have no resemblance to Jesus whatsoever? Well, I think you know the answer to that. You gotta walk the talk. You gotta walk the walk. If you don't, you don't. That's all it is to it. When we get up get up with every person who has ever believed in him got up as well. Things will be changed in a life. I'm never saying a person's going to be perfect, but they're going to be getting better. And that's why this is a good time to, to think on these verses in, in the year 2021 and take a self-representation of where we are with Jesus, this coming into the new year. This knowledge will help, think about it, this knowledge itself will help keep us clean and close to the glory of God if we can grab a hold of this and live through it. And live through it. The other word that goes with retain is retained the attention to our focus. So I want to ask you today, how's your focus? How's your focus? Going back to our, our main verse in Colossians 3, Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Think about that. Since we've, been, since we've been raised to a new life in Jesus, we are told to seek those things which are above. In other words, we are told to continually seek those things. We was told, he told, tells us twice in these verses twice to seek things that are above. Second verse just builds on the first, telling us those things. What is it that we need to do? So we are here to focus our thoughts on heavenly things, not earthly things. Just as a side note, what you do in a given week tells the world where your priorities lie. What you do in a given week, it tells the world. Think about it. If we would set our minds on things of God and things that would bring Him glory, things we do during the week would look maybe different than they do now. Right? They might look a little different. We are to pursue things. What, what are something we should pursue? One would be a deeper knowledge of the Bible and who Jesus is. Right? So still in Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to jump down to verse 10. <coughs> and Paul says to us here, as he did to the church at Colossae, to put on the new man. Put on that new man. Or woman. This is, this is gender neutral. Put on that new person. Okay? Which is renewed in knowledge. Knowledge of what? What the world says, secular knowledge, not necessarily. It's knowledge of the Bible. Okay? And it's after the image of he that created 
him. In other words, we are to put on the new man, renew our knowledge with the image of him that created. In other words, the Bible. Okay, the Bible. We should have a clean and holy life. Let's read a little bit more in Colossians 3, starting with verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affections, evil compitions, or that is evil desires, and covetedness, which is adultery. You know, most anything that you do contrary to God is a form of idolatry. Even though, for the most part, if I ask you to define idolatry, you would say it's it's a spouse running around on the other spouse. Most people think of just that as idolatry. Well, then it's the same context. If we're doing something running around, if you will, on God, then it's idolatry. We're worshiping other things. We're giving our attention to other things. We're saying things that displease him. That is idolatry. Okay? For which things sake the wrath of God cometh, on the children of disobedience. There will be a time when the people that have this as their forte of fornication, uncleanliness, all that, will have to meet God. There's going to come a day if they don't meet him here on earth and change. They're going to meet him one day and it's going to be the children of disobedience, the wrath of God, the Bible says. In this which he also walked at some time, Paul's reminding the church that at one time you were just as well. And that's I've always told everybody that when you really understand the law of grace, how grace has covered your life, you will show grace to others. You will show grace to others. You'll be a more meek person. Those that like to be the bubble, bubble. Those that like to be the Bible thumpers do not understand grace. Think about it. For which sakes, for which things sake, the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time, when then ye lived in them. In other words, at one time you did the same thing, but now ye also put off all these things, anger, wrath, blasphemy, malice, filthy communications out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old man, with his deeds. In other words, you're washing away the old man. You're a new man. Okay? Further reading. Godly virtues. We'll continue to read. Still Colossians 3, verse 12. Starting at verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercy. Okay, that's great compassion. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against thee, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Let that sink in just a moment. And all the things, and and all these things, put on charity. Your translation may say love which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, 
hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's some tough stuff. Think about that. That's tough. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. A little bit more. People don't, don't, get, don't get excited with verse 18 now. Let me read the whole thing and we'll talk about it in a minute. I don't want nobody elbowing their wife. Wives, this is verse 18, Colossians 3. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as it is fit unto the Lord. How many people have heard, I don't know if you're going to call it well-meaning fellows or just jerks. Anyway, people talk, fellows talk about the Bible says that you're supposed to submit to me. How many people have you heard ever say that? The Bible is very straightforward. Let me continue to read. As it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. And be not bitter against them. If you take this whole section of verses and put it together, it is a relationship that is built on trust, on respect, not over you do what I say or I'm going to take a rod and beat you over the head with it. Not any of that. Right? we read it again. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. That in its own context is don't be running around. That's your husband. Stick to him. As it is fit to the Lord. What should we do to the Lord? Give him our all. Give him our best. Right? Husbands, love your wives. And be not bitter against them. And we're going to go to children. Children, obey your parents in all things. You know, I remember growing up, when I was old enough to kind of know what was going on, I thought my parents were dumb as dirt. But the older I've got, even today, and my father has an eighth grade education, I saw the wisdom in what he was teaching me growing up. There at the time, I thought he was dumb as dirt. Okay? But children, obey your parents in all things. One thing about it, children, you're, you're really not necessarily all that responsible right now. Your parents are because you're under their care. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. You know, we have a lot of, of, of comedians that they're... they're, they're view of, of comedy is shooting someone down. But they'll do it in such a way it's almost funny if you got that kind of humor. And they make a lot of money by doing that. But the Bible is plain. Fathers, special word to the fathers, 
do not provoke your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Just as a side note, I got whipped a lot growing up. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. Just, just to let you know, uh, most of y'all probably got whipped growing up. If you didn't, you, you missed a treat of you need to be. You know? All right, continue to read verse 22. Servants, that's all of us. We're all servants. Okay? Servants obey in all things your master. In other words, your employer, maybe, or whatever you do for a living. According to the flesh. In other words, do what they ask. Not with eye service. Don't just do it in front of them to get brownie points, but do it when they're not looking. The Christian, a true Christian will be your best worker no matter what the job is. Because that, that, that Christian that has the correct view of heaven is not looking at, hey, boss ain't here, let's, let's, let's play cards or let's you know, go off to the store and get a drink and come back. The one that's a child of God says, my master, whoever's employing me, is gone. They're, they're doing whatever. They have oversaw me to do whatever I'm supposed to be doing. I need to be doing it. Right? But in singleness of heart, fearing God. Let me read it again without stopping. <coughs> Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatever ye do, whatever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not as unto men. Knowing that the Lord shall knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward and the of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. If you're over people, it says, Masters, give unto your service that which is just and equal. Just and equal. Knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Moving on to Colossians 4, verse 2, an effective prayer life. Continuing in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Are you praying as you ought? Have you prayed last year as you ought? Do you continue to pray more in the new year? Still in Colossians 4, starting with verse 3, this is going to be a fruitful witness. Okay? <clears throat> Withal, praying also for us that God would open us a door of utterance, in other words, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Let me stop right there. If you're wondering what that mystery is, let me just stop right there real quick. What Paul's talking about is not some mystery that he finally found out, well, sort of, but that was some new revelation. It was God's plan for the Gentiles. That's us, by the way. Because if you remember, when the disciples first came about, they still thought it was completely Jewish, or the Israel, right? Completely. But what Paul calls a mystery when he talks to a lot of the churches is the part of the Gentile, the non-Israeli, the non-Jews. Okay? 
That's what he's talking about, that mystery. With all praying unto us that God would open up us up, open unto us a door of utterance, in other words, a place to speak, the mystery of Christ. In other words, Christ came for you too. He came for us. For which I am also in bonds, that ye may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. I like salt. Makes everything taste better, don't it? But what he's talking about here in the salt is the truth of the word. It's never to massage someone up and tell them something just to make them happy. You can tell them something that the Bible says, but you don't have to beat them over the head with it. You don't have to tell them that. See, the truth is, without Christ, you're going to hell. But I don't know if that's ever saved anybody. You know, the love of God saves people. That God thought enough of me. This little old guy here, me. To save my worthless soul. That makes me very gracious to people. When I know who I am in Christ, apart from my, with my old body out, with my old self, the old man out, and I know what that old man was, y'all would not have recognized him. And it's all because of grace. So therefore I give grace. Okay? But I tell it with a little bit of salt. Okay? And you should as well. Season with salt that ye may know ye ought to answer every man. We should be able to give an account of why we live and why that hope is in our life of eternal life with God. Why we have that hope. We should be able to articulate to someone if they say, why do you believe what you believe? Oh, no, mama told me to. That's not the answer. Right? You got to know why. So you can give an utterance or you can give a speech to anyone. You know, the biggest reason the church doors aren't busting open is this two things. One, and, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about Briar Branch per se, the, the problems nationwide over the whole United States. We have this idea that all we need to do is bring somebody in and then let the preacher handle it. Right? We need to, we need to whisk them in somehow or another, you know, tell them we're going to take them out if they go to church. Whatever it is to get them in the door, then it, it's all the preacher's job after that to save them. Do you know that, for the most part, salvation doesn't necessarily come from the word coming from here? It comes from the words of people every day speaking into a lie. My job is to, to equip the saints, those that are saved, to go out and spread the word. 
People will come in with burdened hearts because of the life you lived and the conversations you have, and then the Word of God will be what it is, and the Lord will save them. That's sort of how it works. You can't bring in a hardened criminal and coerce him somehow or another, and all of a sudden, in one instance, though it may happen, it happened to Paul or Saul at that time, but, but it just doesn't happen like that. It's the life we live to our families. Give us that chance to speak about the hope that we have. But we need to do it in grace with a little salt. With a little salt. Let me read it without stopping so we'll get it all in context. Praying also for us that God would open up unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. In other words, say what I ought to say. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know now ye ought to answer every man. In other words, we're to be like Jesus. Mm, that's high standards. We are to be like Jesus. If you want to get into some revival stuff, turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. We'll read you one verse. 1 John, that's on past where you were at. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, He that saith... He abides in him, ought also walk, even as he walked. What's Paul saying? Let me reread it to you. He that saith he abides in him, Jesus, ought also walk, ought also himself to walk, even as Jesus walked. We are to live out the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Let me tell you where that's at. Verses 22 and 23. Put on the fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such things there is no law. You know, if everybody walked by those two verses, you wouldn't have a reason to have a jail. Policemen will be out of work. It's what we need them. There's no law that will that will that they would break if they had love for everybody, joy, no road rage, peace, not mad at anybody, long suffering. It's okay that guy pulled out from me. It's okay. Gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness. Now, meekness is not a doormat. Don't ever... I always, always get uphanded when people think that Christians are doormats. Never forget that when Jesus was riled, he would turn tables over, right? He did that in the temple on the, on the road right before the, the crucifixion. He went in and cleaned the temple. Okay? Meekness is... Power that is restrained. Think about Jesus on the cross as a picture of meekness. He told the disciples that he could have called 10,000 angels to fix all that. 
but he didn't. That's meekness. Be like Jesus. Temperance, even again, against such, there is no law. We are to challenge to live our lives with genuine spiritual values and not the values of this world. As, as we give our attention to these spiritual truths, these heavenly things, we will be able to live a closer walk with him life. So the question would be today, take, take kind of a recap of 21, 2021, and how your walk with Christ was back then, and you want it better, no matter where it was, you want it better this year. Okay? You want it better. So we are to allow that heavenly perspective to govern our earthly walk. Think about it. Every decision, every activity, every plan and purpose is to be considered in the light of eternity. When I was growing up, just going to make it, this is an off-the-wall comment. When I, when I would come up, there was no such thing as travel ball. Okay? That gets really polarizing when you try to talk about travel ball. But think about what it does to the weekend. I would have no problem with travel ball if it didn't happen on Sunday. But when do they do their stuff? The weekend. I try to talk to people through the years about are you sure that's the best thing for your child to be is going playing ball every Sunday. And some of the responses I would get, well, we have a Bible study. Well, gee whiz. That helps. But that's not it. You tell the child, in effect, Whatever you want to do trumps coming to church. Because I want to go play ball, I don't need to mess with that church. Right? That's my will, not thy will. That's not heavenly minded. Symbol not, don't, don't ever not symbol yourselves together. Right? So every decision, every activity, every plan, every purpose that we have and that we plan should be in light of eternity. Now, if I had time, I still would go fishing. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But I believe that's what's wrong with a lot of people now is we don't get alone <coughs> in the woods with God in a fishing pole and fish and think and pray. And catch fish while you're at it. We don't do that anymore. I, don't, I haven't done it in years. So God's people are called on to become heavenly minded. And this is really possible because of Jesus on the throne. Okay? For his place at the Father's right hand, as we read, Jesus makes intercessions for us and gives us all that we need to live for him in this world. A lot of people in 
um, the world tend to blame the world for their actions. In other words, I'm this way because this is the way the world is. Well, if that was true, then we all would not be here today, right? If, if, if we were to follow what the world, that the world does not want you in here, right? Or in any church. So if we followed what the world wanted, the churches would be empty. But that's not being heavily minded. Hebrews 7, chapter 25. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, Wherefore... He be able to also save them to the uttermost that come unto him through God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The writer of Hebrews, great. Back in Romans, Romans 8, starting with verse 31 and through 34. What shall we say to these things? If, we, if God be for us, who can be against us? He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, that now... Shall we not? How shall we not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather has risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercessions for us. I'm tickled to death he does for me. I keep him pretty busy. As we step out this new year, may the Lord help us realize who we are and what we have in Jesus. Okay? May that realization change your walk for the glory of God. So in conclusion, we are, we are here to in the first Sunday of the new year, we need to take a good look, good hard look at our lives and our walk with the Lord. And are there some things in our lives that we need to retain? There are some things we do. Does your focus maybe need to be adjusted a little bit? Fine-tuned, if you will. If there are things and the Lord has spoken to your heart that you need to have corrected, the altar will be open. We're going to have a a moment of silence before we do communion. Whatever the needs are today, you should listen to the voice of the Lord and do what he's telling you to do. And let's make 2022 the very best year to the glory of God. Let us pray. Dear God, as we've looked through various scriptures, Lord, what a, a blessed place we are as believers. Lord, as children of light, Lord, let us also be those children of salt and light. Lord, let us be the ones that are the workers that should be on time and diligently doing what we should do. Lord, be, let us be the people who are over folks that are fair and like-minded. Lord, let us be those people who are in marriage, that we love our wives, that we revere her, and, and Lord, the wives, that they are true to the husband, and the husband alone, and the husband be true to the wife, and the wife alone. 
Lord, I just pray that we can take, take to heart this message and apply it to our hearts, Lord, that we can have a closer walk with you in this coming year. Lord, that we can be your people who are called by your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.